Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 20 of the Womankind podcast. I am a guest host here today. My name is Jen O'Donnell. You might recognize my name from uh, episode one, where I was Kelsey's first guest. And today we're doing something special uh, for the episode, for the 20th episode, and, and I think almost exactly the one-year anniversary of the Womankind podcast. I am interviewing Kelsey Novitz, the host of Womankind. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. It's very weird being on the other side of the microphone. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more nerve-wracking to be in the hot seat. We actually switched seats for the occasion. <laughs> yeah, I have like a special seat that I sit in when I host, and so now I'm sitting in the, the guest seat. How does it look from there? What's it's, the view it's like? It's a little different. It's uh, The lighting is a little different. It's, it's, I have to get used to it. Yeah, I think you're going to do great. I think you're going to do great. Uh, well, why don't you get us started, and uh, why don't you tell us about you and your story. Now I've realized, so I, I wrote these questions obviously, <laughs> and I asked them very flippantly to my guests without realizing, well I realized that they're large questions because I based the whole show on the fact that I don't have answers to the questions. And so now having to come up with answers has been a little bit, a little bit challenging. So Challenge, kudos to say, my guests um, for coming up with answers to these questions because it it, it's tough. On it's behalf hard. of your guests, I will say thank you and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 20 and I've been pretty like close to the chest with information about myself mm-hmm. um, and this is really the first time where I'm opening up and I think the one year anniversary of starting the podcast, not of releasing the podcast, the release date of the podcast was February, uh, but the okay. one year of you know recording and putting this into action um, I think that's a good time for me to reveal a little bit more about I myself. I think so too. Yeah. So who are you? Who is this mystery woman? <laughs> who are you and what's your story? So I made this question very open-ended and I'm, I could take it in a lot of directions. I'm just going to kind of give some, some stats about myself and then get into um, some of the things that have influenced my view of women and womankind. So as Jen said, I'm Kelsey Novitz. I grew up in the Western New York area. Um, I attended Catholic school for my whole life, and looking back, I really had a fantastic childhood, like a very idyllic childhood, and I know that is due entirely to my parents. I have amazing parents, Um, and I just, you know, I feel like I had a very almost you know, the t- type of childhood that you see in movies and on TV that's, like, typical. Norman which, Rockwell style. Right, <laughs> which isn't typical for a lot of people. Yeah. So I consider myself to be very lucky to have had that experience. Um, and then my teenage years, again, um, pretty typical experiences for a teenager. But again, like I said, not typical to everyone. Right. Um, but kind of like that movie-style childhood. Um, I did go to an all-girls high school, which I think is pretty unique and I think that that was a really great breeding ground for a lot of the the thing the attributes that I have in my personality now um, and a lot of the friendships that I still have now that were started in my time in an all-girls high school. Um, After high school I went to college in Buffalo. I went to Buff State, Buffalo State, um, and now I work as a teacher in the Buffalo area in an all-girls school. Go figure. So that's kind of like the, you know, the different phases of my life, the different places that I've been. Um, And looking back on, you know, where I am now versus where I was then, I never really considered myself 
a crusader for causes, really. Mm -hmm. Like, my... What I was interested in most when I was, like, coming of age was having fun and finding ways to socialize and finding ways to meet new people. I can vouch for that. (laughs) And experience things. I mean, one of the, like greatest times that I had in my life was working at Tim Hortons where I worked with Jen. We had a great time. (laughs) We had the best time. It was, you know, working with all of these people that were around our age and just all people that were just from all different walks of life. Yeah, it was like everybody just got their first car. Everybody had their first job. It was like you knew what you were doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday night after your work shift. It was like you know, if you make a new friend, hey, you want a job? <laughs> we all work together, so. I mean, there was a time in my life where I used the bathroom at the Tim Hortons more than I did at my own house, because <laughs> yeah. that's how much time I spent there. We would, like, get ready in that bathroom to, like, go out. <laughs> we would be like, okay, yeah, we would. Just change weird. out of our gross donut clothes. Yeah, Who just a shower? smelled like coffee for about <laughs> five years of my life. Um, but yeah, those were really kind of the, the you know, the the quintessential elements of growing up where I grew up. Um, Something interesting that I thought about as I was reflecting on this, um, and I was considering whether or not this had anything to do with me being a woman, and I'm still not entirely sure of the answer, is I never really felt like I could do things on my own, and I never felt like I could be the person to start something. Hmm. And... I and I wasn't sad about it or upset about it. It just like I wasn't that person. Um, I remember being faced with, you know, my mom encouraged me to join the band in high school, yep. and that was something. It was a really great opportunity. We had this this band, this great band director, and I just remember thinking, well, I I'm not the person to do something new. I'm not the person to pick up an instrument and and learn it for the first time. And looking back on that now, because I very much am a person who does stuff like that now, I wonder if it was because I was a woman and maybe I wasn't seeing other women do it. Well, I guess that doesn't make sense. There were other girls that were in the band that were doing it, but maybe I just didn't see myself in them. Right. That's really interesting. It's it's weird. Right. Because you can (laughs) you can almost remember that feeling of being like, no, I can't do that. Right. I, I, I'm familiar with it. But I also wasn't disappointed in myself for yeah, feeling that it was way. just, like, it was just the, the way it was. Right. I was like, other people will do that. That person is right. not me. Now, where can I go have fun? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, I don't know. So that was something that kind of stuck with me as I entered college. Um, that like everyone, it felt like everyone around me had a thing and I didn't have a thing. Yes. And I, we've talked about yes. this at length, yep. I think. Yeah. Um, like I was interested in a lot of things, but just wasn't good at one particular thing. Um, but then I ended up, you know, dabbling through college and finding my way to different areas of interest and then eventually ended up in education kind of by accident. Um, and then did that after, you know, after stepping in front of a classroom for a week. I knew that's what I wanted to do, wow. and I have not done anything else. Well, I've done a lot of things, but that's where I want my career to be, mm-hmm. and I've known since that moment, so that was kind of a cool thing to happen to me, because I thought it wouldn't happen to me. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You were like, I'm just going to float around my whole life and like not have that thing, or like mm-hmm. that feeling. It's really, the good thing is, is that just the desire to want that thing is... Um, uh, just like the the idea that you have the desire and then the um, 
just like you had the initiative to go out and get it. Like mm-hmm. that is a cool thing about you. Well, Most you. people don't even think about that. Right. Like, I think about you, a lot of things that know, people don't a, think we, about. Yeah, <laughs> it's a problem. Um. <laughs> um, but again, in ref- oh, and another thing, this is a crazy thing to think about now. So I, this is a, a big bomb drop for people that knew me when I was a kid. Oh my gosh. Ready for it? I was a Girl Scout until I was 18. That's right. And this was a secret. And this Nobody was a knew. secret from yeah. all of my friends. Even Shannon from episode two, I did not tell her. And she only found out, I think, within the last few years. And oh we've known gosh. each other forever. And so I feel like I always knew this, but I wasn't really in your in that group of friends. Kelsey right. and I have known each other for a long time, but I didn't go to high school with Kelsey. Right. We worked together. So I feel like I was separate from that. Well, and it was a weird kind of peer pressure because I, I was in Girl Scouts from kindergarten on. And it was always just a part of my life. But then, you know, I hit middle school and it was kind of like this crossroads of, well, what, what do I do with this? What do I, what do I tell people? And I didn't know anyone else that was my age that was still in it in middle school. Um, aside from the girls that I was in with. That's what I was going to say. What about them? Well, I didn't go to school with any Ah, of them. And so they, they definitely had this. And I mean, I went, I, when I transitioned to high school, I was in an all girls school, uh, but they were in they were in Jen's high school in a co-ed high school, and they did not want anyone to know. And so whenever we were at a community event and they saw other people, they would hide. And so I kind of felt like, well, sh- I should do that too. Right. Because you saw them um, being ashamed of it. Right. Which is so crazy. Which is I, yeah. It's the Girl Scouts. Right. We were doing amazing things. We I we earned the Girl Scouts were so cool. Well, you should have joined. I mean, them. haven't they seen Troop Beverly Hills? I know I was too scared to join the Girl Scouts. I was like, um, in your way of like, I can't be the kind of person that does that. I always felt like uh, everybody was way ahead of me and that I would start out as an amateur. And you would have loved... I feel like that about everything in my life. That like, I'm going to show up and everybody's going to be like, oh, well, don't you know this song? Can't you tie this knot? I know they don't do that. But <laughs> you, like, you really didn't. You could have just shown up. I, and I you would have. You actually would have loved Girl uh, Scouts. I wish I did. I would have been the best... <laughs> what do they call the best scout? The best scout. <laughs> I would have been number one. Well, and that was the thing. So I, when I was in eighth grade, we earned our silver awards and we traveled to Savannah, Georgia, which is the birthplace of the Girl Scouts. Wow. So these are pretty amazing things. And yep. I remember, I think I told some of my friends that I was going on a family vacation Whoa. instead of telling them what I was actually doing. And this was eighth grade. Right. And I kept this up all through high school. And I just never... What did you say you were doing like on Tuesday night or whenever it would be? I mean, I don't think anyone asked really what I was doing. So it was, that's just an interesting thing to look back on. Um, But it relates to, well, yeah, because it's a big part of your identity. And for you to not have like been like proud to like wave that flag. Mm -hmm. That's like a, it's really strange to feel like you didn't have a quote unquote thing. Like if you were a Boy Scout and you went all the way, you could put Eagle Scout on your resume. Well, I also feel it might be, a stigma that may have been with the scouts because I don't know any, like, I don't think that there were many boy scouts Mm -hmm. who were even loud and proud about it. It was kind of like a a nerdy thing to do. Um, And so that, that may be part of it. That it was just, you know, like, oh, you're, you're in the scouts. Oh, just not cool. Yeah. But who cares about being cool? I mean, so now, (laughs) now that brings me to this (laughs) other, like, facet of myself that I looked at because I was thinking, you know, my answers to these questions would be different at different stages in my life. (laughs) So now I was thinking, okay, looking back at my life, um, did 
being a woman have an impact on my behavior at certain points in my life? And the answer is yes, in a major way, um, because a lot of the things that I did between middle school, high school, college, I was not operating in like an independent space. I was operating in a way that I hoped would make me seem cool and interesting to boys. Mm -hmm. That was the whole thing. Yep. Uh, the way that I dressed, um, some of the things that I said, the way that I talked, jokes that I told. I know you, you can know. relate to that one. Um, <laughs> the places that I went, the, the people that I hung out with, it was all part of making myself attractive to boys to, I guess, be in a relationship with them or have a boyfriend. Or like, just to be desired by them because right. there was like a, a social standing that came with right. that. Um, for sure. I, I relate to that on so many levels. And interests is a big thing for me mm -hmm. too. Um, you know, like I, I, we had a conversation the other day where um, somebody was talking about video games and how I've never, I never pl don't play video games at all. But I was like, but when I was a teenager, I won a tournament, like a video game tournament. And they're like, what, what? And I'm like, because I dated a guy who was really into mm -hmm. video games. And so I was like, I am into video games too. And I will just play lots of video games with you. And I will learn all of the things that you love. And I feel like that's so normal for women to just like absorb and take on all of the things mm -hmm. that they consider important. Cause our hobbies are considered like frivolous or like they're considered silly and oh, we're gonna get to that later. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> and so, um, a lot of um, your experience and the way that you're socialized and the way that you're rewarded socially, you're rewarded socially by being um, appealing to men, right? And I have like I think of those things, as, uh, and this is kind of just like a funny word for it, I guess, as like souvenirs from those relationships That's of a, I things. Like, that. like I know how to play poker because of a guy that I dated. Like, I love this. I used to listen to country music because of a guy that I dated, but I've, yeah. left, I've since left that one behind, thankfully. <laughs> um, but there are just different things that I know how to do where people are surprised that I know how to do them and I've learned them from so being great. with I know people how to, that I've dated. I know how to do that thing where you flip up a hat and then put it on your head because one time <laughs> I went on a date with a magician. <laughs> That's a souvenir. Well, I did too, but I didn't take anything from that relationship. <laughs> he took it from you and then he turned it into a dove. <laughs> oh my goodness. So thinking about all of that, I am disappointed in myself, but also... I feel like I was powerless again. I don't know where it came from. And this carried on for a pretty long time in my life because I was doing these things even into my mid-20s when I, I realized, you know, when I did develop interests and hobbies, a lot of the time I was doing things and putting myself out there not for the sake of what I was doing, but in hopes of meeting someone. Ah, um, So, yes. like, I've done a lot of different things, but it wasn't necessarily to, like, enrich my life, even though they... they you know, had that side effect, but it was, oh, hey, like, if I go to this improv class, maybe there will be a yes. guy there and I'll meet him. Yep. And that's something that it kind of took being in a relationship to realize, like, oh, hey, maybe I'm actually not that interested in some of these things. And right. I was doing them for the sake of meeting a person, which I don't know if that makes them less valuable because they were things that I was doing on my own and putting myself out there. Um, that's interesting. And it, and it's, it brings up a good point. And I think that a lot of women can relate to, even if it's not as, um, 
in terms of meeting a mate, right, or mm -hmm. enriching yourself for the sake of others is basically our job as women. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like um, we both don't have kids, but, like, if you are a mom listening, you're probably, like, and all of those Saturday mornings that I spent doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, my mom, my mom was a, um, and my mom is the, if you can think of the opposite person who could be a, a Cub Scout troop leader, it's my mom. And like, she did that for my brother because nobody else would be the Cub Scout leader. I feel like nobody ever wants to be like, <laughs> like the leader. But like, my mom wears kitten heels, you know what I mean? Right. Like to go grocery shopping. Like right. But like, she spent a lot of time um, with like involved in whatever our hobbies were, mm -hmm. or, you know, so the idea of you recognizing the importance of enriching yourself with the things mm -hmm. that you want to do is a story of subversion in a way. That's Thank cool. you. Thank you. But we're also living in a different time yes. where, and I, this is something that that's actually next on my list of what I want to talk about here. Um, well, first I want to go back to where this comes from because I still don't know where, you know, middle school, high school, college, me got these ideas from where mm. I had to do things only to meet men or do things like for men, basically. Um, because it did not, I, was it media? Was it social pressure? I can say that it did not come from my mom because she always encouraged me to be very independent and like discouraged me from, I mean, it was pretty early when I like, you know, came home with like items for Valentine's Day and my mom was kind of distraught by it because yeah. it was such a young age when yeah. that happened and she kind of forbade me from doing that. So that may be part of it, but it was like the forbidden, uh, right. yep. forbiddenness of the okay. situation. Yeah. Um, but no, she always encouraged me to kind of cultivate my own interests. Um, but I don't understand. I mean, today we don't really, or maybe we're just starting to value independence and being single mm -hmm. and I I guess I feel like maybe those things when I was younger were not as valued like it we have this like we confer this status onto people who are in relationships and people who are um kind of paired off or, or married um but being single and like cultivating your own interests isn't valued and especially in women right well because that the we're not valued for there isn't a, a long chain of representation and examples of us to look at of mm -hmm. women who were valued for that. Right. So who, and anyone, who would you have looked at? Yeah. Anyone that was was someone who was kind of like quirky or ostracized or like the crazy aunt yep. or something like that. Take so, it from me. Crazy aunt Jenny. <laughs> Shout out to Layla. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, that's like a very new thing and it was hard to navigate that, especially when you know, I hadn't met the person that I wanted to be with and so many people around me had and I was like looking for things to do and places to meet people and it, it's really hard to meet people when you're in your late 20s. Mm -hmm. It's really hard and so that was just kind of a, a struggle. And it almost it becomes like a, uh, you're like, oh, well, I'm working on myself and people are like, but you're real, but you're looking for somebody, mm -hmm. right? And so when enough people say that, you're obviously like, well, I guess I am. I right. guess I must be. I tried really hard to, like, not look and whatever, <laughs> but... Well, I think, too, I mean, what you said, like, where does that come from? I mean, it's in the air. It's ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. It's it's examples of people who we know and people who 
um, we grew up with, but it's also, it's every movie, it's every TV show. Right. You know, like, and I, I think, watch a lot of those. Right, so. and we did, we watched, yeah. and those things are, you know, the things that we were watching in the 90s about a, a girl's experience, they were written and directed by men. <laughs> so, That's true. You know, so that... The idea that you didn't have the representation to look at a movie or watch a show where it was about, you know, in the same way you could watch a movie about a man who did. Like, I remember we were really into um, uh, reading uh, Into the Wild. Remember when we both read that book? I, I didn't... Or we I read saw the after, movie together. We saw the movie yeah. when we were in college. Because yeah. I, I read it pretty recently. Right. And it was just like, we watched so many stories just about men right. working for themselves. Well, now, so, now when I look at that and, like, compare Into the Wild to Wild. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I don't know. Into the Wild, now I'm, I see the mental health issues yes. that he had in, you know, that journey, which I didn't recognize when I was 22 when we watched the movie. It was kind of, like, romanticized. Yes. Yeah. Um, but now, reading that, I, I'm like, all right, we, we get it. Yeah. You don't want to participate in society. All right, see you yeah. later. Send, like, send your mama a... a a piece of mail through the post office. He didn't send them anything. Oh, well, he should have. He should have because they were like really upset. Oh yeah, I never. I don't. I think I romanticized him for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I think I. <laughs> I don't know. I found it really disturbing. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I did. I really did too. Mm-hmm. But any, that was just the first one I could think of. But like, there are just so. I feel many. like I bought a kayak because of that movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, there are so many stories, um, about men doing that. And so it's just okay, because it's just sort of ingrained and you see it. But there's not a lot about women. And there's no, honestly, I'm looking for it, but there's not a blueprint for it. And something that I think is that it's important for us to give the next generation a blueprint for it. Because... We are kind of flying blind a little bit. <laughs> but I like that, though, because I don't want there to be a blueprint. Right, like a paint um, by numbers. Right. I guess that's not exactly what I mean. But I guess, I th- I think what we need is just, like, such an abundance of stories yes. where there are so many to choose from. Because now, I feel like with people like Cheryl Strayed, like, and with Liz Gilbert, yeah. like, people are just trying to reproduce what they've done because yes. they were the first to do it. Which is is great. I, I mean, everyone's journey looks a little bit different, but I mean, paving our own way is going to be key. Yes, and it'll be much easier with what you're saying, with an abundance of mm-hmm. stories and abundance of people who you can look at uh, who did it before you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe this is a good time for you to tell us about your podcast. All right. Well, you guys are listening to it. This right is, now. I know it's very meta. Here we are. <laughs> In Womankind, talking, talking about, about womankind. womankind. So, Womankind was born um, in the week after Election Day in 2016. Nice. It was. Um, and actually, it was born from... Well, I've had the idea of starting a podcast for a while, but I didn't really have like a topic. I didn't know what I wanted my podcast to be about. Mm -hmm. So after, um, the election, it was the Sunday after the election and I was just kind of cruising around on Instagram and I found that, um, a girl that I follow, um, her name is Erin Bagwell. She produced and directed and created the movie dream girl. She was 
um, providing free screenings of her movie Dream Girl online um, just for mm. a couple days, mm -hmm. um, just kind of after the election, just kind of feeling down, wanted to put it out there for people. So um, I know this, I ended up following Erin through my friend Alex, who um, grew up with her. So I came across this movie, I watched it. Um, it's a fantastic movie. It basically follows the story of five women entrepreneurs and Aaron tells each of their stories through this movie. So I'm watching it oh, cool. and I just was very, very inspired by it. It was all of these women who basically created businesses or running businesses and like we were talking about, there's no blueprint for this. This was the blueprint for it for yeah. me where I, I was... Okay, I was like, okay, I have my idea now. I know what I want to talk about. Like hearing these women's stories is inspiring me to tell other women's stories. And so that is really where um, Womankind came from. And so from there it was, I mean, I knew, I know, I still know very little about the technical aspect of podcasting, even after a year of doing this, but I um, then just started doing research and started gathering all the little pieces that I needed. And so I started putting my website together, um, hiring a web designer. Thanks, Michelle. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Learning about RRS feeds or RSS. It's one of those. RSS. I have no idea. And um, <laughs> just, well, and, and coming up with the name, that was the big thing. Oh, I, yeah. I like brainstormed so much and then what I ended up doing, I could not settle on something that I liked and so I wanted to, what I ended up doing was looking up the word woman in the dictionary and then looking at all of like the, the sub entries and womankind came up and I was like, that is it. Done. I love that. Was that was a really fun way of doing that. It is, you know what's funny? I was going to, I didn't know this was a challenge for you because I am the opposite where I only have good titles for things. <laughs> and I always, I have a book of idioms on my desk. That's mm. like a development secret. Is like, you're like, you're trying to think of like a name for something, just pull up an idiom and there you go. I mean, that was a really fun part of it, so I can yeah. understand how you can... It's like, a perfect that's... word for it, too, because mm -hmm. if you break down the word, it's two words, which is wom and ankind. <laughs> that's a Jack Handy joke about the word of humankind, which is my favorite. But it's perfect. It's the perfect word for a podcast, which is your podcast. It is. Which is women and kind. Women kind. And that, I... And all I, the goal of this podcast is to tell women's stories um, and to uplift women and give value to women's voices and just add to the stories that are out there already. Uh, because I think that storytelling is really important and I think that you learn more from storytelling than you do from other things. I couldn't agree more. And this is why I'm also an English teacher because that is, those are the things that stick with you, the things that get your emotions, the things that you can relate to your personal experiences. Um, those are the things that can change your life. That's really beautiful. I couldn't, I think maybe this is why um, we've always gotten along so well because mm -hmm. I think that it, there is nothing more important. And also I think we're both um, natural both natural storytellers, but also natural story listeners. Like, and I think I think learners. Yes, that's yeah. a big key. And I'm like, tell me a story. <laughs> I love a story. What um, else do you want to know about my podcast? So what's what's the mission? The mission is to some. So the ultimate goal, I think, and this has happened in my. This has come up in my conversations with men about womankind who are a little bit. 
feel a little bit slighted that they oh my god can't they don't have any stories about them that they can just listen to instead. <laughs> but what? I think the goal is that someday womankind becomes humankind. Sure. Where there are enough stories out there about everybody. Right. So then we don't need a special situation to showcase women. I agree. I don't think this will happen in my lifetime. No, I don't either. But this is this can help. <laughs> but we have to uh, plant the seeds for a garden that we will never see grow. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Oh, I like but that's that. The ult- I think it's it's one of two people who said it. Mm-hmm. It's either Margaret Atwood or oh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, love Clinton, her. So. Love, love them both. Great, great. <laughs> um, and it's exactly true. The idea is that we want people to be equal, right? Right. That's the definition of feminism. Mm -hmm. We want there to be equal stories about men Mm -hmm. as there are equal stories about women. We gotta give us a little push. Right, we need... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, so maybe in 2,000 years you can have the Human Kind podcast, but that's where I think it's a little different because I think that we are going to hit sort of a... um, uh, a point where we get to tell more and more stories mm-hmm. and there's the ability to have podcasts and books and, and so many different things. So, well, an interesting, interesting thing about podcasting that I didn't really consider. Um, I read an article not too long ago, um, that talks about how podcasting is a boys club. Mm. And I mean, that's not my experience at all. I don't think that I listen to any podcasts Neither that are I. produced I by men or that I even have male hosts. That's so interesting. And I so I, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I'm not like on like the top 10 list or anything like that, but I... But the ones that I, you I never are the, are, are the ones about women. Right. And so I never really thought about that. And I think that that's something very interesting. An interesting comment about representation is that I think because of that, it made it so easy for me to start. Well, it wasn't easy, but you know, it made it easier for me to start a podcast because I was like, well, they, they can do it. So right. I'm going to do it too. Yep. I'm like, they sound just like me and my friends when we talk to each other. Yeah. So I think that that definitely helped. And so I didn't feel, I don't feel that at all. That Does your, uh, does your podcast serve women in a specific way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that... I don't know. I've thought about this a lot. I hope that I do have male listeners out there. Shout um, out. I would... I think it's important for male listeners to hear the stories of women, but I also think it's important for women to hear the stories of women as well. Um, so I hope that I'm reaching everybody, and I hope that men don't see my logo or see the name and say, oh, this isn't for me. Which they might, mm-hmm. but I hope that you know, that stories that are about emotions and empathy and stories that are about things that are traditionally or stereotypically feminine, um, I hope that men open up to those more. Right. To have a more rounded out experience. Yes. Because we do that for them. (laughs) Right. I don't not watch something or not click something because it looks like it's for boys. Right. Right. We're, I think men don't understand that we've spent our whole lives sort of opening up space in our brains for their stories and their interests. I think some of us haven't realized that we've done that. Yeah. Guys. Here's an interesting question. Um, So... Yesterday, or a couple days ago, I don't remember, Tony asked me um, why women... Well, we were, I, I put the movie He's Just Not That Into You on, which 
admittedly not a great movie. Yeah, but I'm trying to remember like specifics it. about um, it, but yeah. It's like... A lot of pe- it's like like Mother's Day like or Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Like yeah. a lot of people it's are a lot in of it. stories. Um, and so that movie has has its flaws, but it's entertaining to me. <laughs> um, but a lot of the movie is about infidelity. And Tony was like, "Why do women enjoy watching movies about infidelity?" Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about this, and then he compared it to you know how men are expected to like movies that are about war. Right. Women are expected to like movies that are about like mm-hmm. infidelity and. Whatever. So yeah. I, I thought about it and I really don't... I, aside from the fact that, you know, those storylines have been force-fed to us, I don't really have an answer. So this is something that I've talked about with my boyfriend often um, because I love a sad books, right? Like, <laughs> I love a sad book. Like, the sadder the better. And when I was 16, I was reading books that were called, like, Don't Let Me Die and, like, 16 oh. and Dying. Like, I loved them. I can't get enough. I never read those ones. So... In book, so he, whenever I read a book and I'm like weeping, he's like, "Okay, why are you reading this sad book? What are you doing? Why are you reading this sad thing? Just stop." And I'm like, "It's it's catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. It's catharsis of like going through that journey." But maybe this is the answer to your question. I haven't fully developed. This yeah, I theory. don't. I don't know. But like, my book club read this book, and it's called "It's Little Fires Everywhere," mm-hmm. and I did not read the book. This was one of the few books that Uh-oh. I just didn't read, right? But in the story, they talk about this couple. They're talking about this couple, and they adopted this kid. This is actually really interesting that I'm thinking about it. And they're, like, talking about how... Maybe you should read it. Right. (laughs) I plan on it. Little fires everywhere. Um, Pick it up today. And so because I didn't read the book, it was for the first time I kind of sat back at book club and listened to these, like, brilliant women who are in my book club discussing this child's adoption into this family. And because I didn't read the book, I didn't know who they were talking about. It was just like I was listening to them talk about how to raise a child we knew, right? It was like listening to them troubleshoot our own futures a little bit. It was listening to like them talking about these emotional journeys of people that they didn't know because women for so long have really been, we've been weaving the social fabric for like how to raise children and families. Mm -hmm. And we've been the ones who have had to make these decisions and make the right decisions for families. And so when I was listening to them talk about this family, I thought the reason that we watch these things is because we know that like we're going to be tasked with and how important it is to like make decisions like that about family or to like be uh, a guide or to like, you know, make really important judgments about how to like be humans in the world. Right. And so women are tasked with that normally. And so it, to me, I thought, well, if men spent as much time thinking about this or troubleshooting the sort of like, you know, I love a hypothetical question. Mm -hmm. If they spent time doing that, it wouldn't be the women's job. You know, it wouldn't be just a, a, a women's thing that we're better at. But the fact is we are better about it, at it because we watch sad stories about what would happen if our boyfriend cheated on us. <laughs> but I, I like that answer, and I think it's a very noble answer, but I don't know that we're, like, I'm not watching that movie because I'm like, ooh, I need to know how to navigate this social area. Right. I'm watching it because I'm like, well, that sucks. And I think part of it is, like, a human idea of like watching other people suffer and making you feel better about yourself Well, in like the sort of the raw of it is is that you're watching a movie where the greatest fear is that uh your husband cheats on you and leaves you right because Mm -hmm. as a woman in society you're taught that your value comes from your husband being faithful Mm -hmm. to you and you being a good wife right well at the end of the movie she's 
his wife is by herself and she's fine. Yes, so. that's true. She kicks him out or something. Actually, yeah, they uh, both the girls. He's with Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Connelly, and they both end up on their own, and they're fine and they're great as they would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that it's it has to do with just like that barrage of that story being mm-hmm. told to us all the time, and men watch war stories because they're like. Well, if I get sent to war, then my buddy died. Like, that's, they're supposed to be, like, that's their, mm-hmm. like, tragic story, <laughs> I guess. <You> know? <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that, but, like, <laughs> they play video games. Like, I'm like, you can play Call of Duty and, like, kill people, and, like, I can't read a sad book. All right. Interesting. So now, let me ask you some questions that you ask uh, your guests. Oh, boy. These are toughies. Uh, what does it mean to be a woman in 2017? Now, this is the question that launched the podcast, (laughs) so this is a big question for me, Um, but something that I learned recently um, is that, well, not that I learned recently, but really thought about more recently, is that, like, the truth is provisional, and so as we go through life, like, my answer to these questions 20 years ago would be very different than my answers 10 years ago are very different from my answers today. And even my answers to these questions, like, last year when I started this podcast, um, have changed because of what I've learned in the past year. So I find that pretty interesting. And so I'm adding to my answers to these all the time. But I have got a lot to say. (laughs) Well, good. All right. So what does it mean to be a woman in 2017? Mm -hmm. All right. So this is my general answer, not necessarily specific to myself. Um... But being a woman is a lot of responsibility. Yes. Um, society expects a lot from women. And I think that's something that I've heard echoed yes. from almost every single one of my guests. That's been a women, major recurring theme. Right. Women trying to be everything at once. And that's that's the big takeaway that I think I have from for this question from all the people that I've talked to is that I do believe that women can be anything on an individual basis. Um, but I do believe that women can't be everything at once. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway. You can't be everything at once. You have different phases in your life and you have to do different things at different times. And I think that's true of men too, in a lot of cases, but maybe not as much. They're not forced into... There's a little less pressure. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I was raised to believe that I could be anything, like me too. That was we're from like the girl power generation. We are raised on the Spice Girls. Um and I think that like I said, I think women can do anything on an individual basis, but like as a group, I think society rejects a lot about women. I think that um we've been kind of given this or taught that we can be anything as long as oh, you can you can be a woman and be proud to be a woman as long as it fits the criteria that society sets forth. So as long as you are fitting in with all of the like physical attributes, like if you're thin and beautiful and if you're kind of submissive and you're not really talking out of turn, absolutely be a woman, be proud of it. But as soon as you step out of that role, that's where, or if you don't even fit that role to begin with, right. I think I that's where um, problems tend to come up like you can't be society will not let you be too much mm-hmm. so take that's it from, take it from somebody who's a little <laughs> too much sometimes yeah and I and that's interesting because like so now just like talking about myself on a, a personal level like 
I think in a lot of ways for a lot of my life, I really fit like the societal, like conventional standards. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I was younger, I was kind of like, what, what's everybody talking about? It's so easy. Like you, I, it's, you just do your hair this way and you're fine. Like, but I don't think I understood that I was just like, I fit in that role pretty nicely and I just acted it out. And then as soon as I tried to like step out of that role is where problems would start to creep up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that maybe if I were a little bit different, I would have noticed that a lot earlier. (laughs) Can I ask you, um, what types of things would you have said that were maybe the first or early ways that you tried to step out of a certain role? I mean, even like through this podcast where I have people like men who are angry that they can't be on the podcast. Like, I guess that would be like my most public example that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing about me is that I spend a lot of time in all female spaces. Yes. I work in an all girl school. I'm very envious. I work this. out at the gym, the all female <laughs> gym. I don't spend a lot of time in like direct contact with men, which I didn't realize this until recently. Um, Aside from, you know, my family and my friends, like I'm not, I don't really work with that many men. I'm not really around. And and even when I'm volunteering, like I volunteered with the Priscilla Project, which is with pregnant refugee women. So it's, I, and this isn't even deliberate. I've just ended up in spaces that are very female-centric so I don't have a lot of opportunities or I haven't had a lot of opportunities to kind of like take this on head-on because I've been in very accepting environments yes so I could obviously relate like I run an all-female comedy show and so I spend a lot of time with female comedians I have an all-female book club uh you know I have a lot of girlfriends so I relate very much to that and I actually thought about that recently because I thought you know, it's so important for, for men to open up their, like, hearts and brains to our stories and hear what we have to say. And I thought, what if I met a man who only spent time with men? I would be like, get it together, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. I would, if it was reversed, mm-hmm. I would very much be like, that's a problem. You need to step away mm-hmm. from that chamber. But I think that my, the reason that I um, find those groups is because I'm so overwhelmed with all male stories and all male spaces all the time that I find those as like a um, a retreat, an oasis. Right. From like that. I feel like we're kind of like retreating into safe spaces. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like that's we're like we're in a world where there's so much of it that we we just have I guess tried to find ones that aren't, and mm-hmm. that's where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Not even, like, consciously. Like, I'm just kind of... Mine was conscious. Yeah, yours was conscious. <laughs> Have you been to an open mic? <laughs> Have you seen a male um, comic? One too many. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I mostly answered that question. Um, I do really think that it's an incredible time to be a woman, because, like I said, I think that you can do a lot of things um, that you couldn't do 20, 30, 50, 100 years ago, um, but it still has a lot of limitations. Like in my in my life, I'm very lucky um, because I am able to do the things that I do and be very independent, but it's because of where I was born, where I grew up, what my family's like, what my religion is, and like all this number of like things that kind of <clears throat> came together as like a perfect storm that allowed me to be who I am. And people that have one degree of difference from some of those things, like, 
aren't able to do the things that I do because of where they're from or because of their religion or because of where they grew up. So, I mean, it's a, it's an incredible time to be a woman in Buffalo, New York, yeah. <laughs> whose family lets her do what she's got to do. Right. Like, and, and that's that, why I think it's been so brave of you to have a, um, we say this in the ladies room that we are literally giving women a microphone and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing here in this. And I, most of your guests have been local and I think mm-hmm. that that's really important and it's, you know, and it's been a diverse range of perspectives and backgrounds and you're literally giving these stories a microphone and that's mm-hmm. really brave. And like you said, you're, you're acknowledging that you were in a position to be able to do that. You know, you can have a job and do this podcast and you can still be accepted into your family and have this mm-hmm. podcast. You have a night free to yourself right. in a week to right. be able to do this podcast. And, and that's, I'd like to tell more stories of people that aren't in a position that I'm in. Yes. Um, because I think those are the stories that we need to hear more. Right. So what does it mean to you? personally oh boy to be a woman in this it's been a year 2017 has been a year uh what does it mean to you personally so this is a tough question um as as all my guests know Mm -hmm. um I think that when I think of being a woman I think it's a very for me personally again in my position it's a very powerful thing um it means the possibility of giving birth one day which I think is an incredible thing Um, and it means that I have the opportunity to be beautiful and a work of art as we've seen, like women's bodies have been, and faces have been revered through art for, since the beginning of time. Um, so it's like being able to be part of that. Um, but I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I know that for me personally, it does mean, um, including everybody who identifies as a woman. That's everyone who identifies as a woman is part of womankind. Um, An interesting thing that came up as I was thinking about this, again, along that line, thinking about power, um, is that, I mean, being a woman, you do have a certain amount of power that you can wield. Mm -hmm. And this makes me think of something that happened to me like a couple months ago. So I, my headlight of my car was out so I stopped I like looked I I looked at the kind of light bulb that I needed I looked up how to do it and I was I was like okay I need to change this today so I don't get pulled over so I go and stop at um a car parts store to buy the um headlight Mm -hmm. so I go in everyone stares at me when I walk in because they're like why is this Mm -hmm. person coming in the store why is this woman coming in the store Um, and then I just, I was like, just point me in the direction of the light bulbs Mm -hmm. because I've never been in the store. So the guy comes out from behind the counter, walks me over to the light bulbs, finds the one that I need, even though I had everything in front of me, which is nice, Mm -hmm. you know, that might just be part of salesmanship. And then he cashes me out and then with, and it was also raining. It was like pouring, um, without prompting, he says, as he's cashing me out, you know, I get off my shift in two minutes. Do you want me to just put this in for you? I'm really not supposed to do it while I'm on the clock. So I'll just, um, when I get off the clock, I'll put it in for you. Mm -hmm. And I said, I weighed my options. Mm -hmm. It was raining. Yep. I was perfectly capable of doing it myself. Yep. But I 
I kind of like weighed my options and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to do this. So this guy's offering, it's nice, whatever. So I, I let him do it. And it just felt like that. I feel like that was like, not necessarily abusing my power as a woman, but definitely wielding my power as a woman. Because I wielding and abusing right. that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. I have I had no interest. He was a nice guy. I have no interest in him. I am in a relationship. That right. it was it was not I and that's I guess that's the part that bothers me is that like there are all these like that's strings attached. What to goes this. into tell us and, and men specifically will not understand this. So right. Well, I've out, told this story to a bunch yeah, of people now, so I've heard a lot of opinions out on it. The when you were weighing, what were so you weighing? I it was thinking about like okay, this guy's definitely going to ask me out. That's what's going to happen here if I let him take go out to the car with me. Yep. Also, there's a, li- a little concern of safety. Sure. This guy it's is going to be... parking lot. I mean, know. it was day. <laughs> but... I, like, I like to be dramatic. Uh... Um, but it was... I, I mean, I'm like, it's... You know, like, what what obligation do I have obligation. if I let this yes. man change my light bulb on yep. my car? That's exactly And, it. I, yeah, it feels like an... Ob- that's the word, obligation. And so, it took a very long time... I wonder if he, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't know him, but he's from the area, so who knows? He's probably your um, number one fan. So he he does it, and then started, like, making conversation, and then started asking me what restaurants I like, oh and so it was turning it in a direction where I was like, oh boy, what's going to happen next? Um, and then he was finished, and then I said thank you, and then I drove away, and that was that. And I had a sense of guilt as I was driving away which I really hated that I had that feeling because I well first of all I asked myself a lot of questions if this was a man would this guy have helped me absolutely not he probably wouldn't have even showed me the aisle with the light bulbs um if I were a woman that was older Mm -hmm. would he have done this for me I hope so because I hope that that would be like a nice thing um but there's also the assumption that I don't know how to do this on my own even though I own a car yeah And you drive one every day. Right. And so there are just, like, a lot of implications from this, like, pretty casual meeting. But um, that all being said, that was very nice of him to do that. And his intention may have been just to be nice. And so I'm putting a lot of assumptions into the situation that may not actually even be a thing. Right. But we, I think, um, are in a position where we always have to put assumptions into everything. Oh, I forgot to mention, he was about my age. And he was, like, friendly. Yeah. You know? Like, it's not like he was, you know, like, 50 years older than Right, me or which something. almost was... in some ways would, like, take the pressure off a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a lot of um, weighing and a lot of knowing that, obli- that there's, like, some kind of obligation there. So it comes with a lot, and it's funny. I know that we're both very introspective people and that we're both people who like to read into things like that, but I feel like... I, those are experiences that we just deal with every day and all of that energy to like sort of, we spend a lot of energy navigating those things. Right. And that's energy that I could be, I don't know, learning Spanish. I don't know. (laughs) There's something to, to, to like, um, creatively grow. I could be spending that time somewhere else, but, uh, this is kind of related, but do you have favorite parts of being a woman? I do. This, and I'm going to echo what almost every single woman has said so far on Womankind, is that it's my relationships with my female friends. They're like nothing else. It's the the level of depth, the level of emotion, 
and the level of communication is so different. And I'm not saying that I don't have those things in my relationship with my boyfriend, but they're just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes a little bit, I don't know, a little, like women just give those things so freely because we've been taught to communicate so freely. And that's not always the case with men. Right. And I feel bad for them. Has anybody talked about this? Yeah. I've talked about it a lot, actually. <laughs> I do. I feel bad for them, and they're like, vapid friendships. <laughs> but I don't I don't want to say that, because I think that men um, I know, communicate I with each be... other in a very different way. Yes, and do. I do. I tend think... to be a little venomous right. about this. But, um... <laughs> well, and that's why I don't, I don't fault them, because yes. it's just that we don't communicate in the same way. And so it's kind of like you just have to learn each other's language. Yes. And that's the way that I look at it. That's a great way. But I think it. that men do, they do have... Well, hopefully, a lot of them have strong relationships and connections and friendships, but it just doesn't look like how women's relationships look. So right. I think that we're like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. But they're fine. <laughs> and it's just, it, I wish that they had it because I think it's just one word, and that word is lovely, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so in my book club, um, my our a lot of our boyfriends or husbands are friends with each other, right? Mm-hmm. So. Like, they will, like, at one point, we, like, all, like, met up at the same time, and then they went and did boy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we read and, and brought in our horizons and did boy <laughs> stuff. Uh, but so, I, I, I don't know, like, I brought something, and then everybody else brought something, and we all brought something. And so, at the end of the day, we had this, like, beautiful meal. Like, we had the quiche, we had the mimosas, we had everything, and my boyfriend was like... I just, I don't know how you, like, I could never imagine us having, like, the power to orchestrate something like that. (laughs) Well, so, it's because they don't have it. It's because they haven't had to do it for every single thing since they're in middle school. Since nine, yeah. That's, I really struggle with this. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, this isn't hard. This mm -hmm. isn't, this isn't, like, hard It is hard, (laughs) but. No, I guess hard to learn. Right. That's what I mean. It's hard to right. do. It's hard to do. It's a lot of energy and effort, mm-hmm. but it's not hard to learn. Mm-hmm. You just have to try it once or twice. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, what are the hardest parts about being a woman? Did I answer that question? <laughs> I don't even know what I said. Oh, oh yeah, you said yeah. what you liked the oh, most. Oh, right. Okay. Did you cover that? Yes, what I did. you liked the most? Yep. Me as a friend. Got it. Yep, okay, that was check. Um, record. Hardest parts. I have a list, um, and we can expand on these if we want. Um, I bet I will. <laughs> feeling like your body does not belong to you. Yes. And this is a lot of what I talked about, about like in middle school and high school, like when I would, the things that I would wear, I was wearing for men Mm -hmm. because I wanted them to think of me a certain way. Um, And I mean, with the, all the sexual assault allegations and everything that's going on, like we're just talking about women as if they're objects and women are human. And that's it. <laughs> I feel like you are actually a little bit more, we had a brief, we touched on this briefly in a text message, mm-hmm. but like, I think that you are actually more liberated than I am in a way on this topic. Cause I like, even like right now I'm sitting here interviewing Kelsey and my skirt is half unzipped because <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a show tonight at Helium and I'm wearing a skirt on stage. Cause I tend to like dress up when I go on stage and I also know that, like, the things that I'm going to be saying are a little bit, like, it's almost like if I know that I'm dressed the way that people stereotypically like women to look, I have blonde hair, I'm wearing a skirt, 
I know that that's like a spoonful of sugar with the things that I say. And I know that I can't deliver my brand of comedy and the things that I feel and things that I say. I know that it will be more well received when I look a certain way. And so, I, and maybe it's different because I go on stage, but like I like curl my hair before I go on stage and I wear lip gloss. And like that is, that feels like it not belonging to me in a way. And I really um, I like respect and sort of envy and want to be like women who can throw that all away. And it's like, it's tough to like. But I mean, I think that because it's different if you're like, you know, going to the grocery store versus like you're right. on stage, yeah. like you're on display. And right. so that comes with a whole nother set of Rules. pressures. Yeah. And pressures. All right. right. I'm going to keep okay, going. Okay. Next on the um, list. Trying you, to live up to the expectations <laughs> of others and dealing with the fallout when you don't. And so that actually just ties into what we were just saying. Like yeah. it comes with obligation. Right. It comes and, with consequences. And what we were talking about before, like, you know, when you're going to book club, you're like, cooking stuff and doing this and doing that and organizing this and doing that. And a lot of the time when I'm doing stuff like that, like I've had people say to me, like, just don't. Right. But like what happens when you don't? Because then you're the person who never brings anything or you're the person who doesn't do this. And I don't, a lot of these expectations I feel like come from like a middle-class white woman. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these expectations are things that are part of the territory with like that particular group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe people in other groups don't do that or don't have that expectation, but that's the expectation that I feel. Yeah. And it also, it sort of, it comes with the privilege of that, right. Mm -hmm. Comes with obligations. It's sort of like a a toll that you pay. Right. (laughs) You know, Um, this one, I don't, obviously I don't have children. I I mentioned that before, Um, but this is something that I'm like preemptively mm-hmm. anticipating. So trying to balance life with children um, and having to give things up when dads are not expected to do that. Oh yeah. That's a, we don't have to talk about that one much well, more. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a few <laughs> years. Um, doing emotional labor for everyone around you. But like I said, I don't experience that one as much because I'm in such, I'm in female spaces so often that I don't really have to do that one. Yeah. Um, Comparing yourself to others, even when you don't want to, and I think social media has made that um, much easier for yeah. us to do. And even if you're you're like, well, I don't compare myself to others, you definitely do. And it might be in a good way, where you're like, well, I have this, and this person doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but comparing, yeah, and it's uh, I think women are have to just compare more than other people do. Mm-hmm. We just are sort of we're faced with that more. And we try to play that game differently. Um, all right, so this is a big one. Um, Ooh, let's hear and it. I don't mean any offense to the to anyone by this next one, okay. but this is a big a big topic in that comes up with my life, and I think it is part of the territory of where I am in life and my age, and um, like I said, being a, a middle class, a thirty year old middle class white woman. Mm-hmm. Um, for the past five years of my life, um, many of the conversations that I've had with friends and not with friends and people at work and just everywhere, um, have been about weddings, buying houses and having babies. And this is, these conversations have revolved around these, even though I don't have any of those things and I'm not... I haven't been in a place where I've been super interested in those things, 
But in order to support the people around me, I have to engage in those mm -hmm. conversations. Um, and sometimes I feel like that's the only thing that people ever talk about. And I also feel like it's a strange distraction. Like you talked about this earlier, like um, if you hadn't had to spend time worrying about navigating certain situations and during doing different things, what else could you have done with that brain power? Been very and, powerful. And that's when I look, and this is not a criticism of, of any particular person, but it's really a criticism of like the wedding industry and the way expectations have been set up. Like when I see them the, and hear about the money that people spend on these things and the time and the energy and the effort, I feel like it's a distraction for women to keep them from doing other things. Yes. And That's keep, it? <laughs> Just yes? Yes. <laughs> and keep us, uh, it's like, uh, it's busy work in a way. Right. And it's not, it's not, not important, right? It is important. That's yeah. how we extend the human race. Yeah. But maybe some of the things that cost like $5,000 for a photo booth, maybe that doesn't really help mankind. <laughs> yeah. Womankind, sorry. Humankind. <laughs> Womankind now, though, for the next 2,000 um, years. And like I said, this is not a criticism of a particular person. And I know exactly who also, she's talking about. <laughs> but also, the thing is, when the time comes, if the time comes, when the time comes for me to do these things, I'm probably going to have a $5,000 photo booth. Like, that's the thing. Like, I would <laughs> love to... Is that much money? I think they're pretty expensive. God, you know what? Uh, you guys have my uh, Twitter. <laughs> Email me. I'll give you a photo booth for three grand. But that's the thing. Like, I would love to sit here and be the person who doesn't buy into those things or the person that's like, right. I'm not going to have a shower because I don't believe in that. But I just don't think I have the strength yeah. well, to do that. I was just going to say, buying into it is exactly that. Because it's actually not mm -hmm. just about money. It's about time. It's about energy. But it's also mm -hmm. about having to spend so much time answering mm -hmm. why not. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, this came up with somebody recently where... Um, they were talking about, like, since I was 12 years old, right, I was like, I'm not going to change my last name when I get married. I don't mm -hmm. know where I got the idea at 12, right? But it's just, mm -hmm. I've always said that, and I've always thought it. And so somebody who knows this about me asked me in front of somebody who's, like, didn't know me to have me say it again. And it felt like, oh, Jen, do that, do that funny thing you say mm -hmm. where you talk about how you're not going to change your last name. Listen to how crazy this sounds. It kind of, like, right. it was, and what I thought about was, it's not just the idea of, um, changing your last name, right? It's about every single time it's brought up, you have to do all of the emotional labor of explaining your position, right? right. So if somebody was like, oh, Kelsey didn't want to do a shower, why? It's like a whole thing, right? right? <laughs> and I think a lot of this could be answered by women not ha not holding each other and ourselves to these like really impossible standards, right? you know? Because all it really is doing is keeping us from... You know, instead of on a Saturday morning when you're going to your work shower, even though you had three showers already, you could be at um, a rally fighting for equal pay. Or right. like, you know, there's other things that we well, could be... Not even just not that. Even like that, just reading a book. Right. Doing book. something else to like Have make a your life tea by better. Yourself. Right. Enriching yourself. Right. And I... It's... This is a very like tough thing for me to talk about because yeah, I, I really support all my friends that have gone through all of these things. And I think marriage is a great thing. And I love all the babies that are in my life. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I am surrounded by such smart, amazing women. And 
I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough to think about that this is what we are spending our time on. And it's not like I think marriage is great, but I don't know that spending all this time and energy and money on these little details that don't really matter when it comes to a marriage, um, I don't know that that's a good use of those right. resources. That's sort of what you're getting caught up with. Right. And it's also not really, like, what do you do after? Like, what happens when all that's over? People talk about how they feel, like, hungover, and they're like, I don't know what to do because I'm not planning my wedding anymore. I got something for you. We're stuffing envelopes. Come on over. <laughs> um, I think that the other thing that might be worth mentioning is that um, when you're in different, because, you know, we we both have these, in, in the same way I can relate because I have um, gone to seven baby showers this year, you know. Um, I think that there's something about the idea of all of the sort of time and energy that you spend supporting your friends do, who are going through that because you know that you'll be going through that and they'll do the same. It's like you also want them to be supporting you and asking you questions about what's happening in your life right mm-hmm. now. And it's tough because some, in some ways it's tough to relate right. because they're like, I don't know, well, what, what are you doing? There's, you know. I do kind of give people that have children a pass on this because now that I've seen, have yeah. had people close to me that had children, <laughs> I'm like, they are, they are in it yeah. and you can't see anything else because you physically can't see anything else. Yeah. And so I... I do understand that when you're in, like, when you've just given birth and you have children and you're going through that phase, that that is, it's almost impossible to think about anything else. Like, you know, a lot of my friends are, like, literally using their bodies to keep their children alive. And that's, (laughs) you know, that's important. Um, But I I have a quote from um, Margot Robbie. Is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what she's in. I know her face. But she was recently quoted as saying... they. Um, she was being interviewed um, for whatever movie she's in. I'm really doing a bad job of that. Um, and her her quote was that marriage is not an accomplishment. Like, women are defined by... The, she's like, ask me about the movie. Don't ask me about my marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I just directed this movie. Don't you care about that? Um, and that's... I mean, women a lot of the times are defined by their relationships. And, I mean you know, putting work into a marriage and having a successful marriage is, is so an accomplishment, yeah. <laughs> but it shouldn't be your only accomplishment. Yeah. Or, I, but, may, but for some, so that's the thing I'm trying to, you know, I, people can make the choices that they make. And so maybe for some people that is, but that doesn't mean that we should assume that for everybody, mm-hmm. that's their only And I think that there's also a bit of an injustice there because for, um, it, because we have a double standard where men don't have to be defined only by it, but women. Ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. And they are defined and, and called something else. Whereas women have to really fight for that. And a lot comes with having to fight for that. You're mm-hmm. Then you're that person. Mm-hmm. I'm that friend. Everybody's like, yeah, well, she's saying that because she's that friend. You know? <laughs> That's crazy Aunt Jenny. Uh, nobody calls me that except my nieces. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a good question. Is there anything you think the world needs to know about women? Yes. <laughs> Can you share that with no. us? No. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. The, so I think that the world needs to know that women are human. Nice. They're not objects. They're not an entity whose only purpose is making babies. They are individuals with their own hopes and dreams and abilities. And women can do what they want without apology. That's good. And we tend to. All the time. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And so the other thing I think that the world needs to know is that women have done incredible things all throughout history. This isn't new. We're not telling, well, I am telling new stories, but like the fact that women have done incredible things is not new. The only thing that is new is that we're hearing about them. Yes. Like I'm thinking of, right off the bat of like hidden figures. Like mm-hmm. we didn't hear about those women that were working um, on, you know, our space expo- exploration. We didn't hear about that at the time because men were telling the story. Yes. And these were also women of color. So, so they men definitely, definitely weren't, weren't telling, telling the story. Um, but now I'm like, I'm so fascinated with, you know, people going back and looking at like archaeology through a feminist lens and going back and looking at history through a feminist lens and retelling stories with a more inclusive worldview instead of this, this, the stories that we've been fed, which are stories just told by white men mm-hmm. and just like making assumptions about things that don't really consider, you know, women or people of color in the narrative. And so I, I think people need to know that. That women have always been incredible, but we're just hearing about it now for the first time. Right. Because the only thing that we have is what is, who told those stories. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, people are saying, oh, we had the same people telling those mm-hmm. stories. And um, it's a power thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it makes me really sad because I think that there's so many, so much lost history that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I've just been shoveled spoonfuls right. of the same stories. And I never... And it's tough because, like we said, representation. How would you know? How, how would we know? How would we know? And that's why what you're doing here is exactly that. It's it, it's so important because of that. You're telling those untold stories. I'm trying. <laughs> She's trying. Okay. Um, uh, number eight. Yeah, I like this one. Okay. What changes would you like to see for women in the future? Three things. I want women to be treated with respect. I want sexual harassment to not be a commonplace part of every industry, mm-hmm. as it currently is. Um, like I said, women are human, and how dare women assert themselves as such um, mm-hmm. is what people are saying. Um, but I don't want that. I want that to be gone from the industry. Um, I also want women to be able to choose how to live their lives without judgment based on their gender. So, you know, it's a pretty tall order to say that everyone can just live their lives without judgment because people can do things that you hate no matter who they are. And you're welcome to criticize Mm -hmm. them. But I don't want women to be criticized because they are women or because they are mothers. Um, Judge them because they're human. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Equal judgment for all. Oh, also, I would like to see more inclusion for women of color and well all people of color mm-hmm. and um trans women and just everyone yeah because that besides uh women's stories not being told those stories are uh even more lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. even more so how about uh who are some women you most admire well all of the women in my life because they have all done amazing things, specifically my mom and my grandmas um, and my aunts and my cousins and my friends. And I I really, you know, I could be here all day telling stories (laughs) about them, but every woman I know has done amazing things. And it's really funny. I've almost every person that I've asked to be on this podcast 
their initial reaction is like, is, but what would I say? I don't have anything interesting to say. Those and I can vouch, I can vouch for all of them that every episode has been interesting. Yeah. Um, and it surprises so, me that people would say that. I, I think maybe you and Shannon didn't say that, but other people did. <laughs> I was like, I just want to talk forever. I, that's annoying. I'm an annoying Yeah, we're going, we're going real long here. Um, but, it, but I just mean, I'm surprised because all of your guests have been so interesting. And right. All have, they all have interesting stories and something right. to say. Um, I'm also, I'm going to talk about Cheryl Strait a little bit just because she, there are many other women that I admire, but I've just been thinking, when I was thinking about like my like early life, um, I have a pretty interesting story and an interesting connection to Cheryl Strayed. Um, so Cheryl Strayed is an author. She wrote Wild and she, well, you know, she, the movie Wild with Reese Witherspoon was based on her book. Um, but I was in college. I was studying abroad in Spain and I was at a very strange time. I was in this weird relationship with this guy in Buffalo and just kind of like not really knowing like which direction my life was going to take next. And I'm in Spain, but like independent in Europe for the first time. And I read this article in Glamour magazine that was about finding your own voice. And so I read this article and it really resonated with me to the point where I ripped it out of my friend's magazine and I kept it. And it was actually, I put it in a box under my bed and I would reread it over and over again whenever I needed you know, some kind of pick me up in terms of independence and like finding my own voice and learning how to um, listen to myself and what I really wanted. And so many years later, so this is, I think this is probably about a nine year difference. I, nine years later, I'm reading the book Wild. I actually didn't know anything about the book Wild when it came out. And so I just, I got it from the library on my Kindle, started reading it. And I'm about halfway through and I realize that that was the same author. She was telling the same stories that I read in this article when I was in Spain nine years ago. So I run to my room. I like, I hang on to things. So this was under (laughs) my bed in my room. Still, I pull out the article. It's the same author. And I was reading wild at a time where I really needed that story. And it was, um, a time where I was talking about before where I was really just doing I was single I was doing things just to meet a man and I didn't have a good example of what to do with myself when I'm not in a relationship right and so I really needed that story and it was just a pretty amazing connection to have a story that I read you know at such a like crazy time in my life come up again um and so I really I really loved that and now I listen to her Dear Sugars podcast and I just think she, we've, Jen and I have talked about this before. We don't think that we would be friends with her when she was younger, Um, (laughs) but I would like to be friends with her now because she, through the experiences she's had, she's just, she has so much wisdom. Um, And she is, she does give an example of how to kind of pay, well, maybe don't do everything that she did, but like she gives an example of how to pave your own path. That was a really important book. I mean, I think we literally talked about Cheryl Strait mm-hmm. when we did. It was the first, was the episode. first time. Yeah. 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 And it was probably one of the, it was probably the most significant book that I read in the last 10 years mm-hmm. for me personally. And it's funny. We say that a lot too, because I'm always like, um, would I be friends with this author is something that I think all the time. And like, I love Nora Ephron 
And I always think, like, would I have been friends with her? It's, like, a fun <laughs> thing to think about, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's a, that was a pretty – that's a seminal book for both of us. Definitely. And I really admire her for Definitely. That. Yeah. Uh, how about – do you have a favorite story of a subversive woman? I have many, <laughs> um, but I'm just going to do, we're, we're pushing the limit here on time today, we're, we're, so I'm going to cut some out. Um, I'm going to do just a quick one. Okay. Um, so the person that I am, the subversive woman I'm going to talk about today is Mariana Santos. Um, she founded Chicas Paderosas, which means powerful, powerful girls. Um, and she founded it in 2013. So she was a woman who worked for The Guardian and a couple other online publications. And in her time working for these organizations and for these this print or digital media organizations, um, she would often be the only woman in the room. And so she started to think about why that was because it was very challenging and there weren't women's voices in these spaces. And so she um, decided to create an organization that is going to close the gender gap in digital media uh, by giving women experience with the tools that they need to be able to create digital media. Um, and so it was created in Costa Rica, and she started doing some events where she taught classes and trained girls um, in the things that they need to tell their stories online. And really, it's just a matter of making women more comfortable using technology and getting themselves into those spaces. Because I think what happens is that men are more likely to be like, oh, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. And women see technology and are intimidated and feel like, oh, I, that's not for me. Yes. Um, and so she's trying to really change that um, through this organization. And so um, it's it's expanded now to 13 different countries um, and hopefully will continue expanding worldwide. So it's Chicas Paderosas, which means powerful girls. I love that. I know, I do too. That's great. It's true. I, like we, I think women a lot are feel are, we feel intimidated. Uh, this is something that I feel often, I feel like you relate to, is like the unqualified thing. Mm -hmm. Like I always feel like I'm not qualified to do something. I feel less and less like it stops me from doing yes, things. which so. is great. Yeah. But it's sort of the way we were raised. Right. And, you, uh, you know, you mentioned a story about somebody who was like, here's what you can do to your microphone so it sounds better. Oh, I forgot to do that. And, <laughs> and it's interesting because I think that sometimes um, men don't realize that they were encouraged to tinker. Right. And they were encouraged to um, play around with things mm -hmm. and uh, sort of like get good at stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always felt like the reason that I didn't join Girl Scouts because everybody would be way ahead of the game, you know? Yeah, like, what did you think we were doing? <laughs> Tinkering, <laughs> tinkering, and I would be I mean, behind. I mean, I guess we were, but yeah, but girls were never encouraged to just sort of like figure it out, and yeah, and so it just we weren't socialized to do it, so it's intimidating, mm -hmm. and so I encourage all women to say whatever. Let's mm -hmm. tinker and learn along the way. Um, I have the quick stories oh, of subversion too. Is that a, can I share? Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, so I the stories of subversion that I love because I love space. Um, <laughs> maybe I would have been an astronaut. I never knew I could. Um, Sally Ride. So now, so when I researched her, I researched her because I found this really funny story about how when she went up on her first mission, uh, a group of rocket scientists, uh, she told them that they were, she was going to be menstruating, right? She was going to be on her period. 
and the, sounds awful. Oh God, menstruating in space. Please, <laughs> I'll read that short story. Um, but so these, like Kels, these are our best guys, right? <laughs> these are our best guys. Come up to her for like her mission, and they're like, she's gonna be up there for one period, and they're like, is a hundred tampons enough? <laughs> and it seems like such a silly story. But it just is so, like, it just shows how much... Just hits the nail on the head. Well, yeah, it shows how, I think, typically men and women just exist in such different spheres. Mm -hmm. And the idea that men wouldn't know that, if you don't know, 100 tampons is a lot of tampons. (laughs) It's very unnecessary. And they just sort of exist in a world where, like, they haven't really... Nobody's ever said, hey, listen to these interesting things about women are like here listen listen to this thing about just a women's it's their lack it's men's lack of knowledge of the female experience that is um funny in this story but also is detrimental Mm -hmm. it's detrimental to the way um we all it's detrimental to the progress of the entire human race Mm -hmm. that men in general have not been uh socially rewarded to listen to women's experiences. They're not rewarded to do so. There isn't like, there is no requirement to do so. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be required because it will help us all grow. And then the rocket ships will weigh less because there won't be so many tampons on them. Anyway, (laughs) Sally Rad seemed really cool. Also, didn't know this, first LGBTQ astronaut. Really? And first woman in space. Well, wow. first American woman in space. There oh. were two Russian cosmonauts before her, but we don't talk about that, apparently. Well, um, <laughs> that, the space race was Just all about competing race. with Russia. Right. Well, what isn't? Um, <laughs> and I, 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 she was she was very um, sort of uh, quiet about um, being a lesbian and didn't share it with people. And that's sort of how it's. It, people said she was very private about it. But I also imagine that uh, the good old U.S. government <laughs> probably had issue with this person who they had to um, put in front of a microphone um, being not just a woman, gasp, but also a lesbian. I'm sure that was a really hard journey, literally and figuratively, for her mm-hmm. to take for women. So I liked that story a lot. I like that too. So, Kelsey, any last thoughts about being a woman? In, in, in I'll tell you, there's only a few more days left to 2017. I know. We're going to be moving into 2018, so this will expand three you've done, years You've now. done quite an interesting project for 2017. <laughs> you know, the word of the year, according to... Mir- uh, is it which... Feminism. Merriam-Webster. Is it Merriam-Webster who yeah. decided that? Yep. Feminism is the word of the year. So, I hope for 2018 to be... Always evolving and more inclusive and yeah. Well, you've done a really great uh, you've done a really great thing, and I say congratulations to you because it's really special. Well, it's been you. a really cool project, Kels. Thank you. Thank you for being the guest host today. This was fun. Oh, was, I love you know I love talking, <laughs> um, and I'm excited to hear about what's to come in 2018 because I'll tell you, Kelsey told me about some of the guests that she's lining up, and I think it's going to be a wonderful year for womankind so make sure that you stick around and um kelsey will be back in the host spot next time yes so make sure if you are not already follow us on instagram at womankind podcast follow us on facebook at womankind podcast check out our website www.womankindpodcast.com or email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com 
So this will be actually the first episode of 2018. This will come out on January 1st. So you can actually catch Jen O'Donnell at Nietzsche's in Buffalo on January 2nd. So if you'd like to come and see her, she's headlining a show. She has a 20-minute set. Come out to Nietzsche's on January 2nd. 8 p.m. I think it's $5. Yes. Um, And thank you so much for listening. Um, This is really great. This is great. This is great. (laughs) All right. We can say it together. Bye, Bye, friends. friends.